Listener Production. On today's edition of Footy Talk, Nick Rewalt joins us to pay tribute to Cousin Jack and his retirement announcement. We delve into why the Western Bulldogs are so inconsistent and Rui gives us his expert take on why we can't get the goal review system right. That's all coming up on today's edition of Footy Talk. You're listening to Footy Talk, the only place you get your daily dose of news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. Nick Rewalt joins us again on this Tuesday. G'day, Rue. Got to ask you straight up, we are getting into Matilda fever over here in Australia. It's going bonkers. Like We're breaking all sorts of TV records, attendance records. Everyone is talking about the Matildas. I know you've got the time zone difference over there, but have you just been keeping track of it? From the states, or have you sort of given lost interest? Seeing your USA women's team got knocked out a few uh, a few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Joey! I was not on the USA team at, at all. As 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 they're controversial, as aren't they? The case there? for a lot of people. Mm. Oh yeah, I can't, I can't believe how um, polarizing the the US women's national soccer team is over here. I mean, um, me Megan Rapinoe or Rapinoe. Yep. Um, yeah, not, I wouldn't say an overly liked sports person over here. Um, you know, pretty pretty polarizing. But no, nah, how great has it been watching watching the Matildas? I've been keeping up as much as I I possibly can. And and with Steph Cately, the uh, yes. the stand in captain who performed so well at the start, who we know is a, a big Saint supporter, number one yep. ticket holder of the Lenny Hayes uh, cheer squad and fan squad. Um, been been keeping a close eye on on her form. She's been awesome and. Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. So you walk down the street, you ch- stick your chest out a little bit more than than usual because uh, the uh, the Matildas are doing so well. So well done to them. Um, I hope they can go all the way, Joey. Yeah, no polarizing figures in the Matildas team. We are in love with all of them. So good luck to them tomorrow night. Hey, we're just doing a little piece where where were you when they won the penalty shootout? I presume you would have been sleeping and you wouldn't have seen the results till the next morning. Next morning, yeah, got the update the next morning. So uh, yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, just the dramatic fashion with which it happened and, and then being able to, to actually scroll through Instagram or whatever and see all of the vision of people standing in bars, in clubs, at, at the football. Where were you? What were you doing when it happened? Well, Dale Thomas and I were very unprofessional, Rue. We were calling for Triple M footy Saturday night. Melbourne, Carlton, huge game at the MCG, but our eyes were glued to the TV above us watching the penalty shootout. Luckily, that first quarter of Melbourne Carlton was a bit of a stinker. I think it was one goal to zip. So we got right immersed into it. We were calling it on radio. I got scared at one stage because I called the penalty and Jack Heverin said, we're breaking the radio rights. You can't call it live and all these sorts of things. But it was a pretty special moment. And the MCG, it was quarter time, really, when uh, the, the final penalty from Courtney Vine went through. It was quarter time. The players were in their huddles and the MCG erupted like a roar, like it was a goal in the last minute of a grand final. It was actually pretty amazing to be there. Did they have it on the big screen no, at quarter time nope. or people were just streaming People it? were streaming it on their phones or watching it in the bars and they, I think they had it on the TV sort of inside the venue but not on the big yeah. screen. But everyone knew. Everyone knew what was happening. So it was a pretty special moment. That's awesome. Well, well done to the AFL as well. They, they play hardball a lot amongst the codes, but I, I thought that was great how they showed that for the game. Yeah, so well they done. did. Well done. Hey, let's get stuck into the footy because there's plenty happening. We've got to start off by talking about your cousin, Jack Rewalt. As we're doing this podcast this morning, early in the morning, we believe that he will announce his retirement today. Uh, he has had an unbelievable career. I think three Coleman's, three All-Australians, three BNFs. He's done everything you would want as a footballer, you've been there the whole journey. Uh, just give us a few of your thoughts on Jack Rewalt and his wonderful career. 
super proud, Joey. Obviously, uh, a really big day for Jack and Carly and and the girls and and little Tommy. Um, yeah, super super proud of him. I mean, it's interesting. You we uh, we we used to have this sort of running joke as a family. So Jack was playing really good footy back when we were contending for for premiership, sort of that 2009, 10, 11 era. And um, we used to go to our grandparents' house for for Christmas every year. And I had these coasters and uh, Alma would roll out the same coasters every year. She'd recycle the same coasters and they were cardboard. And so we'd start riding on the back of them. And a few years, or probably couple of years ago, we, um, we pulled out the coasters again and looked at them. And some of the comments that were getting wow. written on the back of, back of the coasters was, will Jack ever play in a final? <laughs> um, I think my sister might've written that one, um, which, which hasn't aged too well, Joey. Um, yeah, she, she was beating the chest of the Saints were up and about and you fast forward sort of 10 years and he's, he's just, he exits the game, a three-time premiership player. And the, uh, the, the list of accolades that you just mentioned as well. So it's been an awesome journey to be a part of. It's been been great um, as a family member. You know, when your career ends, you still have a, a vested interest in someone else that, that's playing the game. So he's been um, he, he's been awesome. I think his his maturity over the last six seven years is probably what stands out to me. From a guy that was, you know, he was a he was a goal kicker. He was all about kicking goals and and became the ultimate team man. I think there's no no better accolade than that. So. Well done, Jack. Super proud and excited for what comes next. Oh, look, I'm a little bit surprised that he has decided to hang up the boots. I thought he was playing well enough to go around again next year and hopefully with Tom Lynch back and maybe development of Samson Ryan or even Josh Gibkiss going forward, he could just be the second or third banana because I have a quick look at some numbers. So Jesse Hogan's played 18 games, kicked 32 goals, 30 contested marks, 50 marks inside 50. Todd Marshall, about the same, 18 games. He's kicked 32 goals, 52 marks inside 50, 18 contested marks, not a big contested mark player. And Jack's numbers stack up. So the 20 games, he's kicked 31 goals, 32 contested marks, and 54 marks inside 50, just as a a brief overview. So I think he was doing enough. I mean, certainly not at the peak of his powers or flying, but enough to maybe contribute again. But just leads me to the psyche of someone who, a bit like yourself, when you set such a high standard, are you a bit extra hard on yourself when you can't reach the levels that you know you're capable of? But from an outside perspective, you sort of are still doing enough to warrant getting a game and contributing significantly to a team. Yeah, I think it can go that way. And it can also go the other way when, you, when you, you're sort of not going as well as um, – as you want, but you think you're still super, super capable to go on for one or two or three more years. So I think there's a little, little bit of both. I think, you know, in a, in a perfect world, his situation this year would have been entirely different. He would have played 15, 16 games. He would have been the second and third banana most weeks and, and Tom Lynch would have been the focal point. So clearly that hasn't been the case. He's, he's had to back up, you know, with a, with a body that's copped a, a lot of hits over the years every single week and, and, and it takes a toll, but you're right. His, his form's been decent without reaching the heights that we know he's been capable of over a long period of time. But look, I think you get to this point where, and the decision's been made and um, it, it becomes now just a, a celebration of, of what's been achieved. And gee, what a week yeah. this week it's going to be for, for Tiger fans sending off um, Jack and also um, you know the premiership captain in, in Trent Cochin and some of the other noise around the Tigers as well. You know, who knows how many more times you see Dusty running around in the Tigers' colours. It, it, it really, I think, signals a, a bit of an end of an era for, for this group with, um, with the exiting of at least two of their out-and-out champions. 
Yeah, spot on. And, of course, Damien Hardwick. So it is the official end of the era of Ooh. that Richmond Tigers side. But it is expected, Rue, that he will announce, well, he has signed a five-year deal to coach the Gold Coast Suns. It'll be unveiled when he gets back from his holiday. It looks as if Stephen King will stay on as his senior assistant. Wayne Campbell, the head of football, will stay on. Personally, I think this is great for the Gold Coast. I think they needed a big marquee coach. I think his game style will suit the conditions on the Gold Coast. A bit more surge football, imperfect football. Yep. We've spoken a lot about it. Suit the personnel too. You know, yep. suit suit the suit Rouse and Anderson and, and, and Miller and these types that are real gut runners and, yep. and run the lines and not necessarily super finesse players, but win it and a tough and, and surge footy that we know was so successful for the Tigers. And will build a culture you would expect that he did with Richmond around uh, all, all those vulnerabilities and the things that led to the Richmond success. So I think it's great news for the Gold Coast and I think they will be taken seriously from next year onwards and nothing short of finals is on the cards now with the new coach. Hey, speaking of finals, I just want to ask you about the Western Bulldogs and a lot of noise just about how inconsistent they are and, and what's up with the dogs. They are the hardest team to figure out. Caroline Wilson has suggested, and so has David King and others, they need a significant shift with the way they look at their football program, whether it's the, the coaching staff, their system, their list, whatever it is. Where do you start when you've got a club that has got talent, but for two years they've just been consistently inconsistent? What is it and what can they do about it? Well, I think at a certain point in time you are what you are. I mean, at what, mm. at what stage do we do we accept that maybe this is a, a really um, talented group of guys that are inconsistent with with their effort, mate? Like, they're, they're, how many players have we seen that are, that are like that over the journey? And that's why the guns are the absolute guns is because their effort doesn't fluctuate. And so that's why Liberatore and Bontempelli and these guys stand out and provide the consistency that they do because their effort doesn't fluctuate. So... You know, maybe they just have a team of, of guys that are that are really nice players when the game's on their turn, but they don't have that that sort of inner inner capability to 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 dig in and and find that consistent performance within. That that tends to be the the big mystery in footy is how do you find consistency from players that are inconsistent? I don't mm. know too many guys that have been able to figure that one out if if you're not a self-driven, self-motivated footballer. Yeah, it's a good point. I wrote down the exact same uh, words, Ruin. When you think about it, just straight away, okay, as you said, Bont, Libba, I think Aaron Norton, his effort. Like, there's some that are unconditional with their effort, but you can't just off the top of your head reel off, you know, eight, ten guys. It seems that it's a bit of a, yeah, inconsistent with their their effort, the personnel. Do they rely more on talent than system is maybe something you've got to question with their inconsistency. Does their system allow them to be consistent week in, week out? But Plenty to work through for Luke Beveridge and that football club at the end of the year. So we'll keep an eye on how that pans out. I mean, you compare that to what they had and how they played when they won the flag back in, in, in 2016 when it was, you know, that Luke, Luke. So we know Luke Beveridge is a great coach because he's done it, but it was a group that really dug in. I mean, players like Dale Morris and McLean and all of these sort of guys that you just knew every week what you were going to get. So I think they had a less talented group when they won the flag. But if you looked at the... You know, the, the resolve of those sort of players, they had more guys where you were absolutely confident of what you were going to get every week with respects to the the way they approached the game and their effort. Yeah, spot on. Liam Pickin typified that as well and almost won yeah. an enormous with medals. So call. there was plenty. Hey, what about um, just quickly St Kilda before we get to the break? Um, have to beat Geelong to play finals. It comes down to this. They've got destiny in their own hands. They've been able to fix a bit of their footy over the last month. They've won three of their last four. The loss, of course, to Carlton. They were excellent in the first half, but had a really poor second half. So out of their uh, 16 quarters, you can say maybe 14 have been really solid. 
But there's some talk now that they need a bit more spunk. They need a bit of sexiness in this side uh, because they're a bit of a bland, blue-collar, boring football team. What's your take on some of those suggestions? Oh, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think they, they, they would love to have some more stout, star power in that lineup. So I think that you know, probably underlines the job that Ross Lyon's done with not all that much at his disposal. Um, so, yeah, no, of course. Like every, every team would love to have more star power and more spunk, but it, it, it is also the same thing I think that St Kilda have been criticised for for the last 50 years is having yes. too much rock star and, <laughs> and star power and sexy. All about the individual. All of that yeah. sort of stuff. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't have it both ways. Hey, uh, we will take a break because after the break, we just want to touch on a couple of other retirements and wish them well. And, of course, we'll play Real Talk, Shit Talk. That's all to come. If you do have a question for us, hit us up on Instagram or TikTok at Footy Talk Pod. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Hey, Rui, we continue the retirement week and the theme over the last couple of weeks. It is that time of year. Two that we want to quickly mention. First of all, Nick Nat Nui, uh, 213 games, two BNFs, three-time All-Australian. Unfortunately, his body's just letting down over recent years. But my God, was he a headache to try and plan for when he was at the peak of his powers? Well, I wouldn't even really know about that, Joe. I never went in at centre no, back. But never I did. every time we were playing West Coast, you used to got sit guys used to sit in meetings for three hours. So I know how hard is it for us? Just go and play on the opposition player for once. I know it's totally foreign to you. But yeah, I mean, talk about an advantage, particularly when particularly when field position became such an asset in footy when team defense became so strong. Yeah, you know, his his ability to, to lay it on a platter at impact, you know, best ten possession player. Um, in the history of the game, probably Nick Natanui with uh, the impact he used to have on games. So, yeah, shame his body uh, let him down towards the end, but great career. And one of the rock stars over in West Australia. I remember standing next to him one day and looking at his quad, and it was the same size as my body, and I thought, my God, <laughs> got to get away from this man. And the other one we want to touch on is, is uh, our mate Paddy McCartan, who, as we suspected, has officially um, hung up the boots, 63 games due to concussion. It was his 10th concussion his footy dream is over but uh for me I'm so glad he got the chance to have the almost perfect fairy tale last year playing a season with his brother at the Swans getting all the way through to a grand final that hopefully he could put his head on the pillow for the rest of his life knowing that he gave it one more chance and it was a a, a dream season but more importantly we wish him well in his future endeavors in life and hopefully the concussions don't affect him too much yeah I, I think that's a great summation of, of the situation Joey um you know it seems like a, a really sensible decision um you know albeit for us to, to second guess whichever way that went but to know that he he had the you know the the premature end it's and killed up but then was able to come back and and create memories and experiences but I think will sustain him now as a footballer throughout the rest of his life to know that he had that time with his brother. He played on the biggest stage in the, in the biggest game and that he finally got to justify being a number one pick, I thought, last year, which is a yep. really, really important thing to be, for him to be able to do. I know injuries were always going to factor into that conversation, but I think we saw last year what recruiters saw when he was taken as, as such a high draft pick, which is great for, for Paddy. So good luck to him. Good luck to Paddy, and we look forward to having a beer with him when we see him soon. Hey, let's get into real talk, shit talk to finish off. I'm going to fire this at you. There's big news that Ken Hinckley will officially sign a two-year deal today, and there's no official succession plan, but Josh Carr is seen to stay and take over whenever Ken Hinckley's time is up. My question to you, does succession plans 
work? And is this going to change or upset the apple cart at all at Port Adelaide, knowing that Josh Carr is waiting in the wings? I don't think it upsets it on the way through. Um, I mean, so absolutely they can work. I think we're all probably a little bit um, influenced by the Mick Malthouse nathan Buckley situation, which which worked um, because Nathan Buckley ultimately took the group that he inherited from Mick and, and was a kick away from winning a grand final, albeit, you know, six or seven years later, but, um, was, was clearly a great appointment. So the fact that Mick, you know, likes to dance over it every year and, and talk about how he was robbed probably you know, doesn't help the situation <laughs> and that he's, you know, a band of merry, merry men, Swanee and Daisy and all of these blokes like to sink the boots into Bucks doesn't help the situation either. So, <laughs> yes. you know, it's, it's a pretty unique one. I don't think we can use that as the blueprint for whether um, handovers uh, succeed or fail. So I, I think it's great that Ken's got another couple of years there and he's coached really well this year. Hey, Joey, uh, the Hawks, what a high. The Hawks will play finals next year, real or shit talk? Ah, oh, this is shit talk, Rue. Oh, oh, people have jumped on pretty quick. And to be fair, they've been amazing the last sort of four to six weeks with some of their wins. They've played some great footy. They've probably exceeded expectations. But some of the premature talk about them being ready to play finals, I just can't understand it. I mean, it's all good and well to say they've got young talent and they're coming through and they've won some games. But you actually have to look at who they're going to be better than next year or the year after to play finals. And let's not even talk about the teams that are already in the top eight. But are they going to be better than the, these are the teams outside the eight? Essendon, Adelaide, uh, Fremantle, Gold Coast that are all a lot further advanced in their rebuilds that are all ready to play finals. And that's not even including teams like Richmond and Geelong who are outside the eight who you know are always going to be around the mark. So, look, while they're on the right track, they've got some young talent and they've played some amazing footy recently, they're still a fair way off playing finals. So, no, that's shit talk. Hey, Rui, uh, what about the Gorn-Grundy combination? Everyone else has had their say. We saw Grundy come back into the side as a forward. Tough conditions, didn't really work. Do you think you will see, we will see Gorn and Grundy again this year? I'd be surprised. No, I'd be surprised. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think we know, don't we? Like, I think Melbourne know yeah. too. I'm not sure why they went back to it. Um, but no, that, Gorn's not a forward. We know that. Uh, and not only that. The impact that that has on on um, Max Gorn in the ruck. He, he's played his best footy of the year in the period that Brody Grundy's been out. Melbourne have scored the best that they've scored all year in the period that they've had Max as the sole ruckman. So I don't think we'll see that again. Uh, quick one for you, Joey. The AFLW missed an opportunity to promote the game in uh, in line with the Matildas being so successful. Yeah, they have. That's that's real talk. Um, unfortunately for the AFL and the women, they're still negotiating the CBA. So I think that's playing a bit of a factor in how much they're trying to promote the women and the women's game because they're still disputing, I think, over the money and, and what it looks like and those things. So, yeah, they could have really tied it in, weaved it in and um, built up the momentum to continue into the AFLW season, which starts in, I think, about three weeks or even less. So, Do you think it's getting a bit tired? Like it feels like every year there's this – stalemate and negotiation and do you think yeah at some point the league just needs to be careful about being in this sort of rolling period of angst every every season it feels like it's a good point Ru. I do think it's a, a little bit of a crossroads where they have really early tried to promote the game get every team involved 
um, do as much as they can, but then it's got to a point where it becomes some business decisions and the women can want to continue to grow it and expand it and more games and more money and these things. But at some point, there's got to be some commercial decisions around it as well that is sensible for the game. So I think that's where they're at as a bit of a sticking point um, and they need to figure out what it's going to look like going forward. But there are two different schools of thought in regards to what comes first. If you give more money, more games to the girls, you're going to get a better product. And the other hand, they're saying, well, you can't just continue to give out more money and more games if there's less eyeballs and it's costing money and people aren't watching. So, yeah, they've got to sort that out. There's still a bit to work through. I don't have a foot in either camp, but I, but I think what what will start to grate is the fact that every year there is this apparent conflict. So I think whichever path you go down, you, you need to sort of go down and then stick to it for a few years so that we can just get more momentum and continuity in the messaging and, and, and the growth and the promotion. Yeah. Hey, last one too before we let you go. Uh, real talk, shit talk. We're going to ask you about Eddie Maguire suggested we need two goal umpires. Is the answer to our, I don't know, a bit of our ho-hum arc, you know, technology that we use for goal reviews. You're in this space a little bit. What is your take on why we can't have like a Hawkeye like they do in cricket and tennis or VAR, which we've seen in the World Cup, that can spot the ball to within an inch of where it actually lands? Why can't we have that in AFL from, from your understanding? Well, without knowing too much about those specific technologies, because they are unique technologies, my guess would be that it would be extraordinary in, in terms of the cost involved to roll that out across all of the AFL venues. So that the, the, the capital that you would need to invest into venues like Bendigo, into Alice Springs, into Darwin, into, into Launceston, and all of these call them satellite venues where we play games of football, which you would have to do. If you're rolling it out at the MCG, you would have to roll the same technology out against at, at venues where, where we play games all okay. across the country. And I think that would just make it cost prohibitive to actually roll that technology out all across the competition. So that would be the, the thing that I think would be holding it back because you're right, we do have scope and room to move in terms of the actual technology that we're deploying because at the moment it's not world class. No, it's certainly not. Hey, thank you for your time, Root. As always, greatly appreciated. Hey, stick with us tomorrow. Simon Black, Liam Flanagan. We're going to head up north and chat to the boys and find out what's going on at Brisbane and the Gold Coast Suns. Until then, Rui, enjoy your hot conditions over there in Houston, and we look forward to seeing you again next Tuesday. This has been Footy Talk. Listener.